Welcome back. You're watching HFO TV. HFO TV is co-sponsored by J.R. Johnson LLC, specialists in multifamily restoration and repair work. Gantry Incorporated, the nation's largest independent mortgage banking firm. Butler Exchange Group, offering 1031 tax-free exchange services. And Forensic Building Consultants, experts in the diagnosis, repair, and preservation of multifamily assets. Welcome back to HFO TV. I'm broker Aaron Kirk Douglas. With me today is Nolan Gray, Research Director for California YIMBY. Welcome, Nolan. Nolan is the author of a recently published book called Arbitrary Lines, How Zoning Broke the American City and How to Fix It. So that is our topic today. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit about the, your background and what prompted you to write this book. Yeah, so uh, I'm currently research director for California YIMBY, where we advocate at the state level for pro-housing reforms. Um, previously, I worked as a professional city planner in New York City, and I'm now working uh, on finishing up a PhD at UCLA on urban planning, where I focus on land use planning, policies like zoning and subdivision regulations. Um, as a practicing city planner, of course, I dealt a lot with zoning. That was the main thing that I was doing in New York City. And then, of course, now that I'm out here at California, policies like zoning are one of the main barriers standing in the way to desperately needed housing production. Uh, of course, California is some of the highest housing prices in the country. And part of that's downstream of the fact that uh, California also permits very little housing. Uh, this is, of course, a function of some of the rules that we have in many major U.S. cities, uh, zoning rules that make it very hard to build housing. Can you talk a little bit about the history of zoning that you you chronicle in your book? Yeah, so zoning uh, starts to come online in the U.S. in 1916. And the way I'm defining zoning, you know, right, I think people have a lot of different ideas of what zoning is and what zoning isn't. Um, I'm talking about zoning in the sense of doing two things. The first is segregating land uses throughout the city, right? So saying every single parcel in the city Residential will be allowed here, commercial, industrial there, but also within those categories, subcategories. So uh, single family homes will be allowed here, but duplexes will be allowed there. Or neighborhood commercial will be allowed here, but maybe offices will be allowed there. That's the first thing that zoning is trying to do. The second thing is also systematically regulating density uh, in the entire city. Um, right. So saying, OK, you can only build so much floor area on this lot or you can only have so many units on this lot or you have to have so much parking on this lot. Uh, we do this for every single lot in North American cities. These two pillars, use segregation and density restrictions, are what gets you zoning. And that starts to come online in the U.S. in 1916. Of course, a famous example of the first zoning code is New York City, uh, where a lot of things were going on, but they were essentially trying to restrict new production of office in lower Manhattan, and then of course uh, keep factory workers out of certain posh corridors. But I also highlight the case of Berkeley, California, which also adopted a, a zoning code in 1916, where the intention of the zoning code was fairly explicitly to have some sort of state enforced mechanism of exclusion. Berkeley somewhat infamously came up with the policy of single family zoning, uh, which says that you can only have detached single family homes uh, in many neighborhoods. Historically, of course, many residential neighborhoods had a mix of large and small detached homes, maybe a duplex, maybe a fourplex, an accessory dwelling unit. Modern zoning uh, starts to stamp a lot of that out and it begins with Berkeley. Okay. Can you talk about the common misconceptions about zoning that are associated with city planning? 
Yeah. So part of the reason why I wanted to write the book was that I found that a lot of people didn't actually have a very clear sense of what zoning is and where it fits into planning. Um, you know, we're in a special moment now where you read about zoning on the editorial pages of major newspapers. Uh, presidential candidates are expected to have positions on zoning, uh, to say nothing, of course, of state and local policymakers, uh, partly because of issues like housing affordability, because of issues of racial and class-based equity sprawl. A lot of people are thinking about zoning right now. But I think one of the mistakes that, that people don't appreciate is that, you know, a lot of what we think of with in terms of city planning, of course, pre-exists zoning, right? So, they, you know, for thousands of years, basically, since humans settled in one place, we've been planning out streets, we've been planning out parks, we've been planning out public spaces. Of course, there are a whole bunch of other rules that regulate, you know, how cities grow in terms of the public infrastructure. There are other rules uh, covering things like environmental regulations, or as a, as I detail in the book, uh, nuisances. Uh, but what zoning does is it comes in and says, okay, we're going to do a very particular type of city planning, which we're going to build cities where all of the basic uses and the basic necessities of daily life are separated. They're going to be separated to where you have to drive between them. And also, too, we're going to aggressively restrict density in U.S. cities. So this is why U.S. cities somewhat infamously are so much more car oriented and so much uh, less dense than cities and most of the rest of the developing world. It's not purely a function of consumer preferences or, or market uh, pressures, uh, but actively enforced by a system of local regulations that's in place almost all across the country. And could you tell us a little bit about some of the alternatives that are coming online today that could better serve people in our cities? Yeah, so, you know, right now there are a lot of reform movements underway. So of course, at California Yimby, uh, we're working at the state level to try to put up guardrails around some of these practices and say to cities, hey, you have to allow uh, some forms of development that, that we all agree are, are desirable, right? Uh, so at the state level here in California, we've legalized accessory dwelling units statewide. There's been a big accessory dwelling unit building boom that's been to the benefit of homeowners who now can have a source of income. It's also been to the benefit of low-income renters or, or maybe aging homeowners who want to stay in their home or uh, homeowners who have adult children who want, they want to live near them. Uh, so ADUs, we have a lot of state efforts happening here. And of course, we're working on additional stuff in California. At the local level, many local governments are amending their zoning code to get rid of some of the worst elements, uh, right? So you have cities like Fayetteville, Arkansas, getting rid you know, uh, parking mandates for commercial uses. Uh, you have cities like Ann Arbor saying that we're going to allow up to two accessory dwelling units on every property. You have uh, cities across the country saying we're going to lower minimum lot sizes so we can have more homes on smaller lots that better reflect uh, the needs of, of families that are trying to buy their first home in 2022. And then, of course, we're having conversations at the national level on zoning reform. So, you know, there are conversations saying if, if the federal government is going to give out, for example, community development growth, uh, community development block grants, or if the federal government's going to give out surface transportation grants, or if the federal government's going to fund transit, we want to see a plan for how you're going to remove some of these exclusionary barriers uh, that are uh, currently in many zoning codes. And, you know, I, I think the, the state and the local reforms are relatively uncontroversial. Every now and then I think folks will say, you know, why does the federal government have any role in any of this? And this actually ties into a question you recently asked, which is, you know, the history of zoning. Um, the federal government played a large role in promoting subsidizing, mandating the spread of many of these zoning codes. And so I think it's appropriate for uh, the federal government to play a role in incentivizing state and local governments to uh, liberalize some of these onerous and out-of-date rules. What kind of a timeline do you think we're looking at for making meaningful changes to these zoning regulations? And do you see that happening 
first of all on the coast and then moving inland? Or what states are you seeing that happen in right now? So the crisis, uh, the affordable housing crisis is most advanced and has been most potent along the coast for a long time. So of course, here where I work in California, housing affordability has been a top issue for at least a decade. Uh, and so I think that's the main reason why here in California, we've had a lot of conversations of, you know, how do we streamline the process? Uh, how do we remove uh, arbitrary barriers to new housing production? So California is very advanced on a lot of these issues. Uh, other coastal states, uh, such as uh, New Jersey or Oregon or Washington uh, or, or Maryland, we've been having these conversations uh, for at least a decade, in many cases, up to 40, 50 years. I think what's happened, uh, particularly over the COVID-19 pandemic, is that a lot of these housing affordability problems have moved inland to places that don't actually historically have uh, a housing supply problem, mainly because they could continue to build out further and further. But I think part of what we're seeing is that, you know, a lot of that low-hanging fruit's been picked. And when we actually have to have new housing production occur as infill housing production, maybe taking a single family home and turning it into two or three townhouses or taking that strip mall and turning it into a five over one apartment building. Many of these places that are newly dealing with housing affordability problems are actually finding that they have rules that are just as strict as on the coast. So I do think, you know, in places like, uh, for example, California or New York, the conversation is pretty far along. But I think that other states are quickly realizing, you know, we didn't have a conversation about zoning and what it means for housing affordability and equity and sustainability. Is there anything we missed that you feel is really important that you point out in your book? Yeah, you know, I, I think a, a lot of the book is is sort of talking about, right, like what, what's going to actually happen if cities didn't have this policy of zoning? I think, you know, there's the there are the hmm. extreme cases of, OK, we don't want the oil refinery next to the single family home. Uh or, you know, we don't want the the the, the bar uh, opening up in the cul-de-sac, right? Um, I would say with many of these problems, they actually solve themselves to a large extent. Um, land markets naturally sort uses to a certain extent. And then for those edge cases where they don't successfully sort incompatible uses away from each other, zoning is an extremely blunt and, and, and very, I would say, sloppy way of dealing with that problem, right? Most of the externalities that zoning is actually effective at blocking are the externalities associated with people of maybe a lower class being near a higher class uh, subdivision, right? So so zoning is extremely effective at, at mm -hmm. constraining the supply of new housing and extremely effective at segregating cities based on, on income, but it's actually not so effective at dealing with these kind of classic uh, externality problems, uh, right? And so I would contend like a post-zoning a post planning doesn't mean no land use planning. It doesn't mean any rational organization of cities. Uh, it actually means that we can potentially do that much better than we've done it. For the past 100 years, land use planning in the U.S. has meant zoning, uh, and it hasn't gotten us what we want. It hasn't built uh, affordable, equitable, uh, high opportunity uh, communities, uh, quite the opposite. And so now I think we're at a place now where we have to think about what comes next. And uh, that's a, an exciting conversation. Uh, you know, the book is not just critiquing zoning and walking away. A part of what I'm trying to do in the book is to say, let's rethink what we want land use planning in the United States to do and what do we want it to achieve and how do we get there? Well, Nolan Gray, author of Arbitrary Lines, How Zoning Broke the American City and How to Fix It. Thank you for spending some of your time with us today. Thanks so much for having me. That's HFOTV. We'll see you next time. Our entire office specializes in multifamily real estate, making HFO the largest multifamily brokerage in the Pacific Northwest. Your success is our passion. 
Build your legacy with HFO. Call 503-241-5541 or visit our website at hfore.com for more information.